Beloved by God, Church, let us begin our service before the Lord. Let us stand and confirm the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ rule within our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to you for the great privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. And now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are not reachable for us and destroy all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may, as previously, all the works of the devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possession, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance, error, all of this, may it depart from the tents of your holy nation. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your Spirit, saturate us with your Holy Spirit, allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray, lead it with your mighty hand. Our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. The Book of Matthew 5, 45 and 48 That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. called to perfection, this promising commandment to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, written in the Gospel of Matthew and presented to us in the series of the sermons of Apostle Arkady is the inheritance of the saints of all times and generations and the commandment is addressed by Christ himself strictly to his students. Therefore, we will study the primary sign by which we need to judge that we partake in the perfection of God, and this is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God, as it is written, Colossians 3.14.15. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. According to the given place of Scripture, the rule of the peace of God within our hearts is only possible upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart and we will be clothed into the selective love of God. And unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the selective love of God is different in the fact that it contains the burning zeal of God, His omniscience, and His absolute wisdom that in no way can be used for corrupt, greedy, and egotistical goals of man. Due to this, it is specifically the power of the selective love of God that is called to destroy the stronghold of death within our body and erect the resurrection of Christ in its place within our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ in the form of our new man. The selective love of God can abide and demonstrate itself exclusively within the atmosphere of brotherly love, where we pass from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life. 1 John 3.14-18 through 18. 
We know that we have passed from death to life, because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? When a person is born from God, he is offered a choice either to enter the state of death and become dead to God and useless for every good work or enter the state of eternal life, which he has not he had he has not had been familiarity with until now and becomes useful for every good work and a demonstrator of brotherly love therefore we need to answer four classical questions of what brotherly love is and how is how it is demonstrated first question by what science do we determine the people included in the category of our brothers for whom we are called to lay down our life so that we can demonstrate brotherly love in our faith second what purpose is the selective love of God called to fulfill in our brotherly love for one another? Third, what conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can demonstrate the selective love of God in our faith in brotherly love? Fourth, by what signs do we examine ourselves that we have brotherly love for one another within the selective love of God? <clears throat> and so we have been studying now question four. By what signs do we examine ourselves that we have brotherly love for one another within the selective love of God? And so let us identify all of these signs so we can determine whether we have brotherly love. First result we have studied <clears throat> in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith is the ability to increase more and more in brotherly love, aspire to lead a quiet life, mind your own business, and work with your own hands, so that you may walk properly toward those who are who are outside and that you may lack nothing. First Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. <clears throat> but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, and that you, la you may lack nothing. <clears throat> and so we, according to God's mercy, we have already studied this uh, first sign and so let us now go on to the next signs to be able to determine whether we have the atmosphere of brotherly love within our heart second sign in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith is our ability to hold our peace when a man devoid of wisdom will despise us his neighbor proverbs 11:12 he who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. A man of understanding is a person who possesses wisdom, who understands what to say, when to speak, and when to hold his peace. A man devoid of wisdom is a person weak-minded, one who has poor intelligence, one considerably lacking in mental ability, or the ability to assess what is happening. 
A man devoid of wisdom or one who has no help from his mind evokes the pity of an intelligent person who is his neighbor, one who carries responsibility for him before God. Let us look at the relationships between one who is devoid of wisdom and one who is intelligent. First, this is the relationship of the reasonable abilities of our soul with the reasonable abilities of our new man. And so, of course, our soul in this case, as we see, is the one devoid of wisdom. Second, the relationship of a person clothed into the authority of a father of God with a person he carries responsibility for and the one for whom he is a neighbor. In the given situation, the the younger and the elder, <clears throat> and so the younger will be the one lacking in wisdom or And so it's someone who, for example, cannot explain the things that have occurred or have taken place. So he needs a father, someone who will be able to explain what has taken place and why and what it means. And so I don't ask questions to find other alternatives or other uh, opinions, but rather to be able to understand the facts of what is occurring when the pastor is explaining certain things he doesn't offer it as an alternative he he states it as a commandment that we need to follow and if we're not obedient and we just say well this is one of the alternatives but I will do it my way then <clears throat> this person is a person a person devoid of wisdom and he has decided because the reason is because he has decided to uh, edit or somehow fix what the father has given him or told him that is right. Third, this is the relationship of a spiritual man with a carnal man for whom the spiritual man is his neighbor. A carnal man, in comparison to the spiritual man in the eyes of God, is always one that is devoid of wisdom. The, re- the reason the carnal man neglects the spiritual man is, but the, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned, 1 Corinthians 2.14. A man devoid of wisdom, but considering himself spiritual, he neglects the spiritual man who is his neighbor, and this is aggravated because he discovers he has a conflict with the new man living in his body, whom he neglects and whom he does not understand. And so carnal people, they don't just have a conflict in the church with spiritual people, this conflict exists inside of them as well. Their spiritual person, their spirit, is in conflict with their mind, and this conflict, they bring it into the church and begin to have conflicts then with people, spiritual people, who are baptized by the Holy Spirit, and those who have the delegation of a father. The conflict begins inside. Those that are devoid of wisdom, the conflict begins inside and then they bring it outwardly into the church. In the given relationship with the intelligent man who is the neighbor to the one who is devoid of wisdom is the new person who possesses the intelligence or the intelligent abilities of the mind of Christ. A man devoid of wisdom whose salvation depends upon the intelligent man who 
who is his neighbor, is our soul not yet refined and not yet renewed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as it has not yet been submerged into the death of Jesus Christ in the baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire. And so one who is devoid of wisdom is a carnal person, one who has not been, has experienced a death, has not been submerged into the death of Jesus Christ, being baptized in, in water, Holy Spirit, and fire. The help the neighbor gives the one devoid of wisdom, although he neglects, neglects his help, consists in the intelligent one holding his peace when the man devoid of wisdom seeks, uh, seeks for, for his disdain or to disdain. And so, when we speak with God, you hear these sta- statements as, I may be a person of yours, I may be even a spiritual person. And so when you come uh, to God, you are devoid of wisdom. And a person with this kind of uh, lack of wisdom, God is then silent in this case. Let us look at what it means to hold the peace, which the uh, one with wisdom or the one that is intelligent, he has this quality to be able to hold his peace. Holding your peace in your relationship with one another is a great form of art, forming an image of the righteous, where the wise person gives his brother, who is devoid of wisdom, forbearance, and does not pay attention to the disdain he shows toward his, his help. In Hebrew, to hold our peace is to be quiet, be deaf, to plow, prepare the soil for sowing, be plowed, be prepared, write the commandments by the Spirit of the living God, shape and engrave the image of the righteous. See what God does when God is silent. When we turn to Him, David often turned to God, and God turned His face away. When God is silent, when God remains quiet in our relationship, then His silence is a vivid a vivid response which either prepares the soil of our heart for sowing he forms the righteous when the spirit treats the soul this way he also prepares the soul for sowing so that he can trans, uh, form it into the image of the righteous and so again his uh, God being quiet or silent in our relationship with him is a vivid response which either prepares the soil of our heart for sowing or forms us into his image cutting off all the foreign to him elements of the flesh and so his silence cuts away, cuts off all the foreign to him elements of the flesh. And he is silent again because of the presence of these foreign to him elements. A response in God's silence happens during the renewal of our house. This is something shown in scripture. When a lack of wisdom is replaced with wisdom, when we clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ or when erecting the stronghold of life within our body. Psalm 31 through 12, Psalm of David, a song that was sung when they dedicated the house. There was some kind of renewal, something that had been changed or renewed within the house of God. They would dedicate it for that purpose. They would rededicate it to God. And so, a song at the dedication of the house of David and so he had uh, written this so that they can sing this psalm during this this uh, dedication or renew, renewal and so this is p- to become free from a lack of wisdom or leave your carnal state 
And so this psalm, Psalm 31 through 12, moving from the state of, of, of carnality into the state of spirituality. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain st stand strong. You hid your face, and I was troubled. I cried out to you, O Lord. He proclaims the not-existent as existent here. After such confession, you proclaim and the Lord is silent. And so you would understand if you're improperly or incorrectly praying that the Lord be silent. But you see this magnificent prayer and He's silent. The Lord wants to form and engrave the image of the righteous and prepare the soil of his heart for sowing. And so if the Lord is silent, but we know it's not because of sin, it's just because of the time of sowing. During the time of sowing, the Lord is silent. And so when he said, I was troubled, that means he knows that he's going to be now uh, formed. I cried out to you, O Lord, and the Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give, give thanks to you forever. He says, I will give thanks to you forever. And so it's necessary for a short time he, that he tests you with silence. And thus, this brings us to a certain state of tr uh, tr you feel troubled or you you don't receive for, for example a response to your prayers what does it mean silence is God will prepare the soil of our heart for sowing will prepare it and be able to, and the ability to form us into his righteous people to form us to engrave us into his into the image of his righteous one if we are keeping our peace in our relationship with our brother for whom we are a neighbor when we when he makes his disdain for us known this means we possess an atmosphere of brotherly love when our heart and within our heart and have already passed from uh, the state of death to the state of life and so sometimes when you hear this disdain you can just be silent and with the silence you form yourself into the image of the righteous and this will allow then the Lord also to work with our brother to be able to have him be formed into the image of the righteous you see how uh, our life in the flesh is so dependent upon our life in the spirit 
This is one of the important ways in which God will form us into the into His righteous one. In us, He will do this through our spirit. In the church, He will do this through His messengers. And between us and God, it, God, it, he, he will be doing it by the means of the silence. So this was the second sign. Third sign, we're talking about brotherly love and what signs and by what fruits are we able to determine that we have the atmosphere of brotherly love. Third sign of demonstrating brotherly love in your faith is the ability to not give place to the devil. Ephesians 4.26-32 through 32. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, and even as God in Christ forgave you. And so we see here six uh, areas where we are not to give place to the devil. First, to not give place to the devil is be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath. Second, to not give place to the devil is let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to one who is in need. Third, to not give place to the devil is let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good, but what is good for necessary edification. Fourth, to not give place to the devil is do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. Fifth, to not give place to the devil is let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking put, be put away from you with all malice. And sixth, to not give place to the devil is be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Very important six uh, areas where we are not to give place to the devil. And so let us look at these a little bit closer so that we may understand how not to give place to the devil because if we don't understand this, how will we be able to have brotherly love? Because there will not be an atmosphere of brotherly love. First sign by which we can judge that we are not giving place to the devil so that we can keep ourselves within the boundaries of the atmosphere of brotherly love is be angry and do not sin, do not let the sun go down in your wrath. Every one of us constantly, in one or another way, can experience and does experience the emotion of wrath and suffers from the eruption of these hidden in us flames, but not every one of us can define and evaluate his wrath, <clears throat> define the wellspring of his wrath, control the bursts of his wrath, conceal the rising amplitudes of his wrath, and silence the fury of his burning wrath. <clears throat> Not everyone is able to do that. The emotion of wrath itself is a special ability of man to react with outrage and indignation to perceived or to actual injustice and react to a violation of our sovereign rights as well as the sovereign rights of our neighbor. 
<clears throat> and so the wrath we have sometimes is not justified. We are angry at a person and he didn't deserve it. <clears throat> and sometimes someone has committed something legitimately <clears throat> that brings about our anger or our wrath. And so how do you behave when you have this wrath within yourself? You may destroy many things within the process, and so you need to not be able to give way to that or be able to discipline them. For example, in Hebrew, the word wrath includes the following characteristics which can completely ruin our life. Wrath is indignation, irritation, sorrow, frustration, fury, bitterness, jealousy, offense, heat, flame, fervor, poison. This is what wrath is. <clears throat> this also can be poison that we kill ourselves with. People who are offended and angry, and there are many on earth who live in this, they poison themselves. We will bring forth the statements of some philosophers, men of study, politicians, and other famous people of the world who have left a mark on the history of mankind, who acknowledge the existence of God but do not know God and not never uh, got to know Him. <clears throat> These are some of their statements. Wrath enslaves and demeans even the most honorable of men. In the heat of anger, it isn't heat but vengeance. Where wrath ended, there sometimes repentance begins. Not enough that wrath puts confusion in the soul, it also shackles the hands of the punisher. <clears throat> and so the Lord says, give, give place to my wrath. Every strike we make in anger will certainly fall back on us in the end. Wrath is never without reason, but the reason is rarely convincing. If you are bothered with wrath, try to distract yourself from the cause that inspired it. Doing so, you eliminate the combustible material that supports the fire and will quench it. Weigh everything, always control yourself. Anger is a sign of stupidity of man. One who does not respond to wrath with wrath saves, with, saves themselves and the, and the other. The wrath of good people is nothing more than the imperative need to forgive. One of the statements in the book of Job summarizes the above-mentioned warnings of wrath with the following. Job 5.2 For wrath kills a foolish man, and envy slays a simple one. <clears throat> Apostle James, speaking to every person who is a partaker of the Church of Saints, who are called to inherit the adoption of their body by the redemption of Christ, wrote the following, James 1.19.20, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so we need to be slow to wrath, but we need to be quick to hear and swift to hear, and we need to be slow to speak, slow to wrath. And so, if you someone asks you, you ask yourself, you need to be slow to speak and slow to wrath. 
If we have wisdom due to which we can tame or subdue our wrath before the setting of the sun, then we will be able to not give place to the devil so that we can keep ourselves within the atmosphere of brotherly love. Proverbs 12:16. A fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. How does he cover shame? This proverb is written very uniquely. A fool, fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man, a righteous man, covers shame, covers his wrath. He is slow to wrath. He does not speak. He does not immediately come to a conclusion. We have all of the opportunities and means in the form of the elementary teaching of Christ imprinted upon our hearts and the Holy Spirit revealing the truth of this teaching in our heart to count ourselves dead to the rule of emotional wrath over us and living for God, proclaiming the not existent liberty from the authority of wrath as existent. Galatians 5.19-21 Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, as he's warning, just as I, I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5.19-21 And so we need to withhold our wrath because when we speak words in the element of wrath within the uh, within the flames of, of our wrath or during that time when we are angry then they will not be uh, reasonable words. And so if you have this desire inside of yourself to speak something, but you control that and discipline it, let it explode inside of you and don't let it out of your mouth. A second sign by which we can judge that we are not giving place to the devil so that we can keep ourselves within the boundaries of the atmosphere of brotherly love is let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give uh him who has need and so we're talking about here not giving place to the devil because we can't be or have the atmosphere of brotherly love if we do give place to the devil and so let us look at this uh, thievery or robbery that it's referring to here as it says let him who stole steal no longer now therefore it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another why do you not rather accept wrong why do you not rather let yourself be cheated no you yourself do wrong and cheat and you do these things to your brethren do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god do not be deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor homosexuals nor sodomites nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards nor revelers nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of god first corinthians 6 7 through 10. If we use our brothers in personal interests of greed, we are out of the boundaries of the atmosphere of brotherly love and are headed toward eternal destruction. Therefore, the boundaries of of the type of atmosphere we live in on earth will determine the atmosphere we will inherit within the boundaries of the atmosphere of eternity. And so if we live in the atmosphere of brotherly love, then we will carry it over into heaven 
if we have a different type of atmosphere that we've uh, decided to be in, that we will we will bring it into our next uh, into eternity in in hell or wherever we are. The next kind of robbery consists in us leading a parasitic way of life and not distancing ourselves from brothers that are rebellious who do not who do nothing but act idly or lead a parasitic way of life. Second Thessalonians three six through twelve. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourself know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. And so you may ask, what do you mean you were not disorderly among us? Nor, As he says, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies. Now those who are such, we command and extort, throughout our Lord Jesus Christ, that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. <clears throat> and so the conclusion is not living a parasitic form of life. The next kind of robbery consists in us following people who steal the word of God from one another. Following such people, we collaborate with the thieves, and instead instead of then inheriting the kingdom of God, we inherit eternal destruction that is actually prepared for the devil and his angels and for these false uh, doers of false works. Jeremiah 23, 30-32 Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, He says... Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them, and therefore they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. And he says, these are the prophets upon which I will pour out my wrath and my anger. Another kind of robbery when it comes to each other where we give place to the devil are words of the messengers of God which we claim personal authorship of. Joel 3.5 Because you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried it into your temples, my prized possessions. 2 Corinthians 2.17 For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. And you say, what is the difference? between these forms of thievery. And so, people steal from one another the words and say, I am a prophet. But in the second situation here, he says, uh, uh, the second one refers to how he expects others to be treating him. 
And so a person then <clears throat> readjusts, uh, reframes the words that he hears from another, uh, fixes them, uh, and, and puts them together as he wants them to sound, and then teaches them, claiming that they are uh, teachers. And so we need to not peddle with the word, we need to receive the entirety of the truth from his messenger and be a student. We know of situations where people absolutely would steal the entire sermons or entire sermons of pastor, would correct them to their own uh, to their own uh, preferences and would give them out as their own. The next nature of robbery when it comes to each other, where we give place to the devil, is withholding the wages of him who you hire. Leviticus 19.13, you shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. And so if you have an agreement, and so there are contracts, of course, depending on when you will pay the wages of of uh, of a person. And so when it's saying uh, uh, it shall not be with you all night until morning, it's according to the contract or agreement that you have with your employee. The next type of robbery when it comes to one another where we give place to the devil is when we build our house by unrighteousness and our chambers by injustice, forcing our neighbor to work for free. Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his chambers by injustice, who uses his neighbor's service without wage and gives him nothing for his work. Jeremiah 22, 13. And one of the most unforgivable unforgivable types of robbery consists in us robbing God himself with our tithes and our offerings, which are a holiness and possession of God and are within our possession, but do not belong to us. And so we rob others, we rob ourselves, we rob people in the church, but to rob God is the most uh, extreme form of robbery, where a person prepares a very unfortunate future for himself. He 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 sets it up in in robbing God. Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are accursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this as the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. This is a blessing for those who honor God with their tithes and their offerings. Now, the third sign by which we can judge that we are not giving place to the devil so that we can keep ourselves within the boundaries of the atmosphere of brotherly love is let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearer. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearer. In the original Greek language, the word corrupt in this case means idle, rotten, decaying, spoiled, ruined, useless, and bad. Our words coming from the heart, which is not cleansed from dead works, however correct and good it may appear in our eyes, in the eyes of God, they are evil and will produce a foul odor of our corrupt flesh. If our heart is not cleansed from dead works, however attractive words we may speak before God, God will 
will perceive them, God will look at them, and they will be a foul odor before him of our corrupt flesh. Matthew twelve thirty five through 37 A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. If a person has evil treasure and he's trying to come to God with attractive words, words uh, that are are beautifully put together, they still will be foul before God. They will be uh, an abomination before him. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Idle or corrupt words which we speak are words that are not the faith of our heart and are not imprinted upon the tablets of our heart. We need to understand that why they're not imprinted upon our heart because they're dead works. Dead works is what does not allow the word of God to be glued to our heart. If you take uh, a sheet of paper and it's covered with oil, for example, you cannot glue anything to it. Why? because these are dead works. The Word of God clings or glues to a heart that is cleansed from dead works, and once it's stuck on, it's glued onto it, it cannot be removed. But to the wicked, God says, Psalm 50, 16 through 22, What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, saying you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? When you saw a thief, you consented with him, and you have seen been a partaker with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I, I tear you to pieces and there be none to deliver. Every time we, contrary to the demands of Scripture, not having cleansed ourselves from the filth of our mouth, take the covenant of God into our unclean mouth to justify ourselves, we give place to the devil. And so we need to confess the word of God, but first you need to have a pure heart. When we have cleansed it from all of these dead works, from all offenses, from all suspicions, and we put the word of God inside and we begin to pray according to the word. <clears throat> and the second thing is having a clean mouth. You can't have a mouth that speaks all kinds of profanity, that speak curses, that curses the wife and children and husband to then uh, speak the truth, the words of God. The wor- the, these words God will not accept or receive because it, in the heart there may be one thing, but your mouth is full of, of dirty things and we need to clean our mouth. And so we need to have our, our, our heart and our mouth uh, both come in contact with the Word of God and they are both used to be able to uh, say anything to God. And so to keep this atmosphere of brotherly love is not to give place to the devil. Fourth sign by which we can judge that we are not giving place to the devil so that we can keep ourselves within the boundary of the atmosphere of brotherly love is do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This happens when we do to our whims leave our church for which God or for which Christ died and resurrected. Doing this, we trample upon the Son of God underfoot, count the blood of the covenant by which we are sanctified a common thing, and insult the Spirit of grace. Hebrews ten twenty five through twenty nine. 
a very familiar place of scripture. Let us read it. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, that is, we forsake our church, there is no longer a sacrifice that remains for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment, of fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be to those thought worthy who have trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? And so leaving your church... If we are in Babylon, of course, the Lord says, come out of Babylon, my nation. You need to, of course, come out, exit Babylon. And we, on Friday, read the place where the fear of the Lord is, is present. This is Jerusalem. Babylon and the false church does not have the fear of the Lord. And so leaving our church where the fear of the Lord is present is one of the serious sins for which there is no sacrifice for sin that remains. Upon practice, this means that such people will be vomited out of God's mouth and their names will forever be, forever be blotted out of the book of life. Since such people, as well as people who maintain relationships with such people, will never with their eyes see or hear with their ears or comprehend with their heart the salvation of God and will never turn back so that God can heal them. You can be physically in a church. Uh, you cannot be, maybe, you can be physically in the church and have already abandoned and left your church. Or you can sometimes have uh, business trips or something that requires you to not be present, but you can still watch it uh, uh, from a distance uh, over the television you need to look at uh, from situation to situation uh, never uh, immediately jumping to conclusions for example a, a child who maybe or uh, children of parents who are elderly maybe who needed to move to be with them but uh, to, to care for them uh, but are still part of the church they're still an organic member of the church they have not abandoned the church uh, because we have in Ukraine and Russia, Germany, and all other, so many other places and regions where we have our church. Part, they're all part of us. They may not physically be present here, but we are one organic uh, body. And so that's very important. And so you can physically be again in the church and have already abandoned it. When we come as controllers, then as inspectors, then you have a abandoned your church, when you accuse your neighbor, you abandon your church by doing these kinds of things. When we accuse, and we do it sometimes even zealously, and so people come to me and say, you know this and that, and I say, do the right thing and forgive your brother. And so when a person can't stop accusing his brother and doesn't want to uh, overcome or forgive this. Fifth sign by which we can judge that we are not giving place to the devil so that we can keep ourselves 
within the boundaries of the atmosphere of brotherly love is let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Words which we spill out of our mouth in bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking make our mouth unclean and give within our heart place to the devil, which belongs actually to God. The reason for such destruction for which our conscience stops judging us consists in the fact that our conscience has burned out and we have departed from the faith of God and began paying attention to spirits of deception and teachings that are demonic by the hypocrisy of false teachers. 1 Timothy 4.1.2 Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons speaking lies and hypocrisy having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And so, to not be one of these types of people, we need our conscience to continually burn. Sixth sign by which we can judge that we are not giving place to the devil so that we can keep ourselves within the boundaries of the atmosphere of brotherly love is and to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave us. Following this commandment, calling us to forgive one another as God has forgiven us in Jesus Christ, will determine whether our sins will be blotted out of the memory of God or not. And so God forgives us and washes us with His blood upon the condition that we forgive our neighbors. The blood of Jesus Christ works. And so people ask, how do we pray? One of the words of prayer, forgive our debtors debts as we have forgiven our debtors forgive me lord i come to you i confess my sins forgive me just as i forgive my neighbors pastor says when he was a young man he would skip this place of a uh, place when they would pray it because he he it was difficult to forgive and our emotions are wounded and of course the lord has revealed to pastor that you don't forgive with your emotions you forgive as a decision you make and when I understood this it, I then did the began doing the opposite instead of skipping it I began to pray it and state this ex, this specific uh, phrase within the prayer uh, more uh, confidently because I was thinking deeply about every single thing that uh, I was praying and so if he was doing this that means he was paying very close attention to what he was saying and so it is not pastor reads my uh, my uh, work but I read pastor's work because the, the pastor speaks and uh, to, to the Lord and Lord responds and so When you pray, Lord, forgive me as I forgive my debts as I've forgiven my debtors, uh, you forgive uh, when you decide to forgive and not as how you feel or depending on the feelings that you have uh, about this person. Isaiah 44:22. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. In nature, fog or clouds are blotted out by by warmth coming from the rays of the rising sun. 
see how the Lord blots out my transgressions when I create the atmosphere of the Lord's warmth. In the realm of the spirit, warmth coming from the rays of the rising sun is forgiveness, which is made within the atmosphere of brotherly love abiding in Jesus Christ. The ability to remember good and forget or blot out offenses committed against us from our memory by our enemies as God has blotted out our transgressions when we, in repentance, turn to Him is possible upon one condition and that is if we try diligently to keep ourselves within the boundaries of the atmosphere of brotherly love. And we made our decision to keep ourselves within the atmosphere of brotherly love. That means we need to create such an atmosphere uh, where both the both the fog and the clouds can uh, be blotted out um, with the rays, the warmth of the rays. And so having this atmosphere of brotherly love and in this atmosphere of brotherly love you begin forgiving. And the sun of righteousness then will shine in us. This is the justification we received in Jesus Christ. It has the legitimate right to justify us. It's not that I just simply forgive everyone, I forgive everything very easily, Lord, you can easily just forgive me. The Lord first checks whether I receive justification freely by grace. If I didn't receive justification freely by in, in the redemption of Christ, then because I need to understand continuously how to wash myself with the Lord's blood, and so my forgiveness does not mean he automatically already forgives you. You need to first uh, look to your justification and whether your justification was received properly, correctly. And so I fulfill God's command in loving him and our neighbor. Fourth sign in demonstrating brotherly love in your faith is our righteousness, which will be examined by our ability to be delivered through knowledge from a hypocrite's mouth. Fourth sign. The third sign that we had looked at is not giving place to the devil, and we looked at in detail of how not to give place to the devil. Now we're going on to the fourth sign in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith is our righteousness, which will be examined by our ability to be delivered through knowledge from a hypocrite's mouth. And in this case, when it's referring to knowledge, it's referring to as a seer or the ability to foresee. Proverbs 11, 8, 9. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. A neighbor of a hypocrite is the righteous whom he is attempting to destroy with his mouth, but the righteous is delivered from his mouth through knowledge but the hypocrite falls into the nest that he himself had laid out. The knowledge of the righteous in this case is foresight, which consists in supernatural ability to differentiate lies from truth, being spoken by a hypocrite, the clean from unclean, and the holy from the unholy. Hypocrite is an accuser who, do, who due to his inherent arrogance and jealousy, which has overgrown into hatred, 
accuses his neighbor in his own heart and does not acknowledge the authority of his neighbor over himself, and with his mouth he praises him, swears his love and faithfulness, and exalts his abilities for the purpose of putting his vigilance to sleep. Hypocrite is a person who previously was holy, someone who gr gladly acknowledged the authority of his neighbor over himself because his salvation depended upon him. And so let's look at the mouth. The mouth of man called to lead him into eternal life has converted into a mouth leading to hell. In this case, as a hypocrite, the hypocrite's mouth. In Hebrew, the word mouth means mouth, uh, the mouth of a beast or a dragon. And so one who is hypocritical, one who speaks good, uh, who looks at him, speaks good things to him, uh, praises him, but it is hypocritical because he does not actually think the things he's saying. An opening leading either to heaven or to hell, the tip of a sword, a sharpened arrow or spear, anvil, hammer, forging either evil or good, measure of weight, heaviness, weight, scales, the mouth of a river either coming out of the dragon's mouth or one flowing to eternal life. First, the goal of destruction which the hypocrite, pers hypocrite pursues, praising the righteous with his lips for the purpose of quieting or putting it to sleep his vigilance, is to inspire the righteous to condone or indulge him and for the righteous to close his eyes to his wickedness. Second, the goal of destruction which the hypocrite pursues, praising the righteous with his lips, consists in inspiring the righteous to agree with his praising, identifying his virtue, and in this way catch the righteous into the nets or snares of the devil, together with himself. <clears throat> Acts 16, 16 through 18. Now it happened as we went to pray that a certain slave a uh, slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us. This is that spirit of hypocrisy. <clears throat> this It's a demonic spirit that hates you, but wants to ca uh, <clears throat> ensnare you, catch you into its nets. And so, when we're talking about... Uh, this certain slave girl possessing the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit for fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ <clears throat> to come out of her. And he came, and he came out that very hour. To be delivered from the mouth of the hypocrite through knowledge inherent to righteousness means not accept any praise coming from the wellspring of the ancient serpent who uses the mouth of a hypocrite. Mark 3.11.12 And the unclean spirit, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. He does not want demons to lie to him, that that to lie to them to say to him to say these things that he they were saying. 
If in a relationship with one another we have knowledge and the ability to foresee where we can differentiate the words of a hypocrite from the words of a sincere friend and refuse to accept approval and praise from the mouth of a hypocrite, then this means that we possess the atmosphere of brotherly love within our heart and have already passed from death to life. And so this was the fourth <clears throat> sign, and we have heard it by the great mercy of God, because upon this place the fear of the Lord dwells. And not just upon this place, also in our hearts, the fear of the Lord needs to be present. To have the fear of the Lord in our heart, our hearts need to be in the likeness of an ark, the ark which had these cherubims upon it and in the ark was God and so the saints whose heart have the fear of the Lord this ark they have the power the ability to demonstrate the perfection of the Father on earth the Lord says be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect in our heart we need to have his fear and the fear is having these tablets of the covenant in us. The tablets of the covenant is God's holiness in us. And so when we're born again, we become his children, not because we did something right, but because of our birth, we're born from God. The tablets of righteousness, this is holiness, this is the handwriting of requirements against us. Why is it a handwriting of requirements that is against us? Because we still have our soul and our body that has the law of sin and death. Why is there the law of sin and death? Because there's the stronghold of death that is in our soul, in our uncircumcised mind and our body, the old man. And while the stronghold of death is in our uncircumcised mind and our old man that is in our body, that hell supports the stronghold of death, our soul and our body have the law of sin and death in it and our spirit where the tablets of the covenant are there's no law of sin and death and that person who has renewed his mind with the spirit of his mind in the death of the Lord Jesus he has freed his soul from the law of sin and death and now the stronghold of death and the law of sin and the stronghold of death the law of sin and death are in the body only now in many of us and we need to wait for the promise and clothe ourselves into the confessions, the confessions of the stronghold of eternal life that has found its place in our spirit, our renewed mind, and in time it will find its place also in our body. And so in the Ark, the tablets of the covenant, the holiness of God, the handwriting requirements that was against us, and it's still today in the, in, in the for, for our body. And so these tablets of Moses have become a holiness for our mind. But also it needs to be for our body. <clears throat> and so the old man is there, but he's bound. And so we need to <clears throat> move over the greatness of the Lord into our body so that he can adopt our body. And so then the handwriting of requirements that will was is written against us needs to become then for us or become our friend and 
the tablets of the covenant that were in the ark and then the rod with that was blooming the rod of Aaron this is this is our mouth that has resurrected the rod of Aaron that blooms it's a it represents resurrection this is the mercy of God that is given to us in the death and resurrection of Christ when we die for our nation the house of our father for our personal desires and the death of the Lord Jesus why do we die because this is my not my desire this is the rod this uh, this is the rod of Aaron I received this word and I received it as a rod this is my lips and now I begin to proclaim this blooming rod the word of God I proclaim life for myself and when I proclaim life for myself I proclaim the not existent stronghold of life as existent dead to sin living for God that means I have the rod of Aaron and so the two tablets the rod of Aaron and then there's the golden uh, cup with the manna and so typically it would uh, decay pretty quickly or, or get bad the next day but when it was in the golden cup and it was in the ark it was <clears throat> it remained fresh just as in the day that it was gathered and this golden cup is with manna it is a heart that is cleansed from dead works upon which the word of God is written in the form of the teaching because the handwriting that was is against us contrary to us it is destroyed by the teaching of Christ the golden cup with manna uh, our our cleansed heart and then the rod which is our proclamations and then the handwriting of requirements the tablets then become my friend but you say I'm aging I'm I'm getting sick because the time has not yet come we need to use the rod of Aaron we need to proclaim the resurrection of Christ if our heart is of course clean and the manna the teaching of Jesus Christ is put there and so I think we've heard enough today and if any of us have given place to the devil if we've had this anger wrath uh, outbursts of wrath and so when there's outbursts and they're with wrath and and in rage or anger when we speak dirty things when we offend the Holy Spirit when we leave our church although we may have been present in it but we leave it in our heart we are uh, uh, offended at others we accuse others do not and so it's unfortunate sometimes you cannot miss any service but never be actually a member of it an organic member <clears throat> and you need to love the word that you hear and the wellspring from whom you hear this word and you are all a part of this as one and so we wait for you upon this place anyone who desires to come out amen
will be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is on your side he is not against you he has loved you with an eternal love he's given you the work of his redemption he has stood between us and our enemies to lift us up to his level close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to heaven this means that you don't have wrath or doubt pray together with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you, and upon this holy place, upon the church of your saints, I open my heart so that you may see my pain, my suffering, my wounds inflicted by sin and lust, which I hate and that I reject. I come to you with my illness, with my fear, with a pampered dignity, with dishonor, I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, restore me, and protect me with the blood of your Son. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you come the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills. May with noise the old man be thrusted out into hell. And upon its place may the stronghold of life be erected and resurrection may this be upon you and all your children and the nation shall say amen may the Lord give us mercy so that everything that we looked at today, the works of our pastor, that it become yes and amen in our life. And for this, it's necessary to meditate. Cell groups are a great place to do this. 
Belgrips is where our soul again and again verifies his, its salvation for itself because it's in our own interest that the holy law that abides in our heart that it not be against any uh, part of uh, our essence that they be absolutely be satisfied or satisfy the, the demands of the holiness of God it's in our interest that the tablets not be that which condemns us but that uh, supports uh, that verifies that we have the fear of the Lord in our heart and so if we have a conflict with others if we have uh, if we accuse others and this is not having the fear of the Lord we have the fear of the Lord when the tra- uh, the tablets in us uh, are on our side let us finish with our manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen